This podcast is slowly turning into the Kurt Russell Appreciation Club. So we've decided this week to do Tango and Cash. I'd forgotten how much I loved this film growing up. Tango and Cash is a 1989 American buddy cop action comedy film starring Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Jack Palance and Terry Hatcher. Stallone plays Raymond Tango. Kurt Russell plays Gabriel Cash, two rival LAPD narcotics detectives who are forced to work together after the criminal mastermind Yves Perret frames both of them for murder. This week it's myself, Andrew, joined by Prague, and Adam Flewellyn from the Veil cartoon joins us again. Surprisingly, Adam had never seen Tango and Cash, so this was a perfect opportunity to get someone's insight on a film that I loved so much growing up. It has a great cast, the film was really enjoyable watching it as a kid, but it does come with its problems. You can clearly see that there was problems in this production, it had multiple rewrites and directors, so the film is affected by that. I loved it as a kid, but will I still enjoy it all these years later? Anyway, here's the episode. Yeah, we've decided to do Tango and Cash, and interestingly enough, Adam had never seen this before. And considering what a film buff you are and potentially this genre, I'm really shocked you've never seen it before, Ad. When we come on to the bit where we talk about our memories, I still have an interesting story, an interesting memory of this film to go over. Well, you uh, may as well start it then. (laughs) Well, I've never seen this film before, but but weirdly, um, there used to be a TV channel on Sky called CNX way, way back in the day. Um, some listeners might remember CNX, but it was like, um, it played like anime and action films and Tango and Cash was always on there. And for some reason, I just never watched it. It was one of the only, they had films like The Long Kiss Goodnight, um, films like Hitman, the Jet Li film, uh, loads of Jackie Chan films and stuff, uh, Bruce Lee stuff, but Tango and Cash was always on there. I just never give it the time of day. And I, and I was about, I purely think it's because I didn't like the title. I just thought the title sounded stupid. So I just, Never watched it. I just so yeah. Um, going in, it, this was a different film to what I expected, to put it lightly. And um, I wish I watched it way back when. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm sure we come on to it, but that's what, what I was really keen to sort of look at is what are your thoughts on it? Because normally we do these films, and if one of us has never seen it before, we don't have none, that nostalgia uh, associated with it. So then. Sometimes you have a different take in it because we sometimes watch these films and then they're not very good, but they mean something to us and we get enjoyment out of it. Um, and it's funny, before Prog came on um, and I was talking to Adam off, offline sort of thing, I, I started to look for things in this film where I should have just been enjoying it. And that's, this is the problem with the podcast and we've mentioned it before, that because we're sort of revisiting and semi-reviewing it um you're looking for things but anyway my memories of it are and i don't have a specific memory it's always just been there it's always a film which i've always just seen and i and i categorize it with lock up another stallone film and no doubt both of you have seen it and i put them side by side they're just very for me very similar type films and they probably came out roughly the same time but um yeah i don't have any specific memory of it i, I can't remember the first time i saw it i think this is when salone started going into his more comedy action stuff i think this is where he just kind of broke out of the wind and would you call this an action comedy 
I would call this a comedy action. <laughs> that was a comedy. That was that was a comedy movie. Like a really good comedy movie as well. A really really funny comedy movie. Um, that's what I'd call it. Um, I thought I when I talked to Sen about seeing this on CNX and it being bundled in with films like Long Kiss Goodnight and all the martial arts stuff when I was younger. Through the TV spots that used to play on CNX for this, I genuinely always thought this would be quite a serious toned, like cheesy eighties action film. And I just, I, I didn't, we'll get out to some of the funny stuff in a bit, but as soon as the film started, the moment Sly Stallone's driving down the road and like the helicopter's like, we're not in the, we're not, we're almost out of your jurisdiction. And like, you know, he's shooting the screen, he's shooting the windscreen and Robert Zadar flies out of it. I just knew exactly what kind of film it was going to be straight away. Like when he pierced, when, you know, I just knew what it was going to be the dumbest film I've ever seen in my life. And it delivered on that. <laughs> Rog, what about you? Do you remember first time you've seen it, or is it like me, just always been there? No, I don't remember the first time I watched it. I remember watching it when I was younger, but I think like you, it sort of blended in with some of the other films he released at that time, like Lock Up, Over the Top. I, For some reason, I actually confused one of the scenes from Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and thought it was in this film. So that that goes to show about his catalogue at that point. <laughs> I think I've said in a previous podcast, I've yet to see Stop on my mom will shoot. Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting. I think I got to a point with Stallone films and I was probably like, no more comedy. I just can't do it anymore. Do you know what, right? The thing is, I you know how much I like Stallone and how much I think he's actually underrated as an... I think he's a better actor than people give him credit for, right? And I do like him in comedies. Like, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is a bad film. But I still like him in that film. And while I have a lot of issues with Tango and Cash, I still enjoyed it, mainly because of Stallone, but also Kurt Russell. So... I think even if Stallone's in a bad film, I'm still slightly forgiving of it. I, I mean, I struggle to think of a film with Stallone in that I wouldn't watch. I mean, I would, I probably even watch Rocky Five. Um, I, the thing is, I don't think either of us have ever seen Paradise Alley. And no, neither of us have ever seen Rhinestone. So the, the jury's out on some of these. Rhinestone, I know, is one that you're desperate to do. <laughs> Are we going You should just do a season of Stallone films. You should just do a series of Ryan the movies where you just do his entire filmography, uh, start, start <laughs> to finish. Well, at the moment, this podcast is primarily Stallone and Arnie films, isn't it? Well, we, we had to start strong, didn't we? That, that, yeah. that was the point. All right, look, let's just jump straight in then with the favourite aspect element that we always talk about. And I'll start, if you don't mind. Um, we, we've done um, Lethal Weapon recently. And so we started talking about Buddy Cop and, and, you know, and, and all that. Um, and I think as, a, as an aspect that this works quite well in the sense of that they are supposedly quite polar opposites in, in what they do, how, how they act how they perhaps police. Um, so th that's definitely a tick for me. Um, Kurt Russell, I think, is brilliant. He's basically Jack Burton in, yeah. in, in a cop outfit. The fact that he's in... He gets himself into situations 
and he just sort of like either blags his way out of it or he just sort of like, yeah, I meant to do that sort of aspect. Well, can I just say now, he is actually wearing Jack Burton's un- uniform outfit at the end of the film. It, I wrote down one of my favourite aspects was Kurt Russell in a vest again. Because <laughs> when Kurt Russell's in a vest, you know you're getting a good Kurt Russell performance. I, 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 yeah, for me, I think it's a typical 80s Kurt Russell performance, and yeah, you know what you're getting. I, I quite like the way that they do the major plot points. They do them as um, newspaper cuttings. I yeah. hadn't really noticed it previously, but I thought, oh, you know, that, that's quite good. I'm quite happy with that. Are you talking about in, in particular with the trial? and? Yeah, you get it quite early on. You know, Well, first of all, it's about them doing drug busts and things like that, which yeah. builds up that they're these super cops. Then you meet um, Jack Palance's character. I can't remember his name. Um, but anyway, oh, you, you, meet, yeah. Yeah, you meet him, and then you go to the trial, and they got, they got cut-ins that way then. And then you get a cut-in right at the end that they're sort of reinstated. So, mm. um, yeah, I quite like that. And then the other thing is 80s music. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> The final themes, the final song for this film is amazing. What's the final <laughs> song? Is it a famous one? I don't, I don't know what it was, but when they, right. when they do that hand clasp at the end, it's just that 80s music kicks in. I was just like, yeah, that's a fucking song you end on. <laughs> Sorry for swearing. That's a song you end on. Well, you brought up one of my favourite points, or one of my favourite elements, and it's the, it's the high five slash hand clap at the end. Yeah. It's, I, mean. I think it's one of the greatest in film history. Well, I, I did a bit of research on uh, this film and apparently they didn't want that to be the ending for this film. That was why the director got fired during production. Well, did, didn't they have about four directors at some point in this? Two credited, um, it seems. But um, yeah, um, there was a, this film was a bit of a mess to make and um, Stallone, wanted, Stallone and the original director wanted it to be more serious toned. Can you believe it? <laughs> and yeah, they wanted to make the ending a bit more like um, hard-edged. Uh, but that's the producer. The producers won, and I'm like, I'm happy the producers won because I needed this film today. I needed, <laughs> I needed the film. Today. <laughs> I just needed a really dumb, goofy '80s action film. Oh god! Frog got any other favorite aspects? Yeah, st- for me, for some reason, Stallone with glasses and a newspaper, I always find enjoyable. I'm looking around for my round glasses and they're not near me. But basically, <laughs> I was watching it in my glasses and I was thinking, yeah, probably would have a field day here. <laughs> yeah, because if people watching, uh, people listening don't know, um, I honestly believe that An- Andrew is Sylvester Stallone reincarnated. It's the, jaw, it's the jawline. <laughs> Definitely when I was a bit younger. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where it comes from. Yeah, <laughs> my I gotta be honest, my favorite aspect I've already mentioned it is it's the two leads. I I don't think I'd watch it if it wasn't for them two. When it finished the film, like talking about favorite aspects, there, like yeah, when the film finished, all I could, all I was thinking was I wish there was a TV show of this. I wish this was a TV series, and it was about like five seasons of these guys just getting up to like Tango and Cash just doing whatever. Well, Stallone has said that he'd do a, a sequel, but um. Kurt Russell has never been keen. Really? Apparently, there was a story in a couple of years ago saying that there's a story written for it, and they they're trying to convince Russ, Kurt Russell to do it. Oh, it wouldn't work now. It wouldn't work now. They're like they're like they're like eighty years old now. Man. But but the story wouldn't work. You know, the type of film wouldn't work now either. Would it? No. It had to be done then and there. That is. But um, 
just to get the one film out of it, it's great. But aspects though, and just quickly to go over, just the just how non-caring the film is. Like I loved how elaborate stuff was in the film. Like that's what made me laugh a lot. I don't know if that's a failing of the film or not, but like like well, I'm sure we'll get into it again to the plot, but just how like what there's so many things to get into, but it's just so elaborate. Like the the bad guy, there's so many ways you could have just killed him throughout the entire film. But he's his his henchmen are just like, let's just kill him. And he's like, no, we're going to arrest them. Put them in prison. <laughs> Jack Clance, who, who loves sniffing rats. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't get me started on the rat stuff. <laughs> the bit, the I just don't know why they're there. When he puts the rats in the thing, I was just watching that going, why did they do that for? That must have been such a faff to film that. <laughs> it's so stupid. I tell you all right, that's probably from one of the original scripts where they wanted it to be more serious, and that's meant to be some sort of analogy or bring up some sort of symbolism. I love it, didn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. it kind of gets lost. In the, me- in the melee of action and comedy that uh, ensues. Yeah, but it, it really made me laugh that bit, though. When he put the rats in that little maze thing, I did laugh my head off at that. I thought that was hilarious, that bit. Because he, he puts them in the maze and then that's it. I thought you could do something with them. There must have been a deleted scene, or they must have meant oh. to do something with it where they, they showed something else and then there was elaborate sort of getting them to a point and then they either kill themselves. Or, or something along those lines. I guarantee there's a if you would if you had if we had access to like the um whatever studio made this film, like um what studio is it? So if we had access to the Warner Brothers vaults and we got all of the raw footage of Tango and Cash, I bet you could make an entirely different movie, tonally everything, with all of the stuff they probably filmed for that. Because it stinks of it smacks of a film that just went through billions of rewrites, tons of reshoots. Well, well you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, the original director did three months of of shooting or filming, yeah, and then he was replaced. So yeah, it's a it's it's a tale as old as time in Hollywood, where they just like you you, get, you see it more in the news now because it's the all of the inside scoops are more on the internet now. We're like, oh, Spider Man Ten is reshooting stuff and Suicide Squad is reshooting, but you know, it happened back then and produced. It was all the same back then, even worse so probably. But- but to me, that makes sense that you're saying there's been several directors attached to this film because watching it now, it does feel all over the place. And it is. Or, or I, I, should I say, if you want to look at it a different way, it feels like a mashup of different things. But like, I love this. But I think it really. I love the story of this because I'd never seen it before. I loved like this journey this film like took you on. Like, it just. I love that they went to prison. I love that, like, they did so much stuff in it. Yes, there is, we will get into plot holes and how stupid the story is. We will. I'm yeah. sure. But, like, I just love, like, I just love the film. Like, it just went so many different places. You had, like, strip clubs. You had, like, um, yeah, we're going to the strip club bit, which I'm guessing, which is what you uh, warned me about. But, uh, yeah. I, I, that's one of my favorite parts of the film as well, when they're actually in the prison. Yeah. The fact yeah. that you're actually, I, I can imagine you, Ad, when you're first watching it, you're probably like, what the hell is this? Like, I, do, yeah. I would expect two cops to be in prison, and that's the film I'm watching. Yeah, I, I didn't know that at all. I was like, what the hell? I mean, and also, I love that, like, even my background, but they, for, for, for people that can't see, but uh, Robert Zahn. Robert Zahn. He, he he he's like Quagmire. He's got the biggest jaw in the world. But he's yeah. he's mani- that's Maniac Cop. Like, as soon as they come up, it's like, Jesus Christ, Maniac Cop's in this film. But at first, I thought he was just a because he Robert Zadar, um, he did 
he was a character actor. He, he was delegated to like really shitty, like small parts. So at first of all, they just got Robert Zadar as a random henchman. But then he, he becomes like one of the main main baddies and uh, and his maniac. Well, <laughs> it took me for years and years to realize that he was the guy at the very beginning in the um mm. in the in the track. My mm. spot. I I only noticed him straight away because I've I've seen him in other like culty horror films and action films over the years. But but yeah, I was like, oh, there he is. There's the you can't re- you can't not recognize that face. It's the biggest face of all time. <laughs> the other thing I love, right, about the film, it is purely eighties, in the sense of eighties cliches for two reasons, right? Or maybe three. The bromance between the opening. Um, on the, the lead actors, brilliant. I, I love that. Um, the music I've already mentioned, and for another aspect, 80s boobs. They get them yeah. out straight away in this film. I don't even think you're five minutes into the film and they're in that car park lot, um, lot or whatever, yeah, and they hit the back of a car and it's a couple having sex there and she does that jump up, showing her boobies. Um, <laughs> and I was just thinking... Oh my god, it's like Commando I, and every other 80s film I've, I've seen. I was in tears watching that thing because it just it's your first 10 minutes of the film, and they're just like, we are smashing everything up we can. If we can smash it up, we're smashing it up and use some boobs. Like, it's like is, they had an 80s tick list and they were like, right, what else do, do 80s films do? And uh, yeah, it's like over the top um, vehicles, over the top um, weapons. Did you see Kurt Russell's gun with? All the paraphernalia yeah. he had on top of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to work out what they all were, and surely that just wasn't a laser sight. No. So. But yes, that's what another thing I love about this film. They just have a tech lab in there. Like, there's a <laughs> there's a tech lab in there making guns, and he has a gun shoe. And like, yeah, but that tech lab is not affiliated with the police. I know. Because I, it, it's just it, like. Kurt Russell's character, Cash, he just happens to know this guy, Owen, who's a fucking engineer whiz kid, also a nerd, and, you know, he just goes to him for stuff. Because when he first left prison, when, when he first breaks out of prison and he just nonchalantly walks into that lab, I was like, why is he walking into the police station? Then I realised, wait, that's not the police station, that's just some weird... I think they have that gun dog. Well, he, he's, yeah. like, um, he's like a failed Q from Bond, isn't he? He's got like all of Bond's um, gadgetry, but then yeah, some of them don't don't work. Going back to the the shoe gun, I, I I'd forgotten all about that until I watched it this time, and I was just like, "Who the fuck has a shoe gun?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what's stopping that going off just randomly walking down the street? I know that, that I thought that bit at the beginning was awesome though. When he looks in the, when he looks in the mirror, and then like that hitman just blasts the mirror wide open. And it just chucks you into this, like, like obviously we become, we, like I just said, awesome car chase, great. It's an amazing sequence that was. Really, really enjoyed that. All right, let, let's start moving on then to favourite scene. Prog, do you want to start this off? There's there's a couple of things I like. Obviously, I said the high five at the end. I love it. Um, I love when Tango wraps the slinky around the cell, mate. Oh, um, I love that reveal. Clint Howard isn't he the yeah. weirdest looking guy in the world? Yeah, well, he, he was um he's in a really weird cult horror movie called The Ice Cream Man, uh, which is weirdest film ever. But you, it wouldn't surprise you. You've not surprised me that that's a title of a horror film. Yeah, The Ice Cream Man. Yeah, it's really weird. It's a really weird 
comedy horror. I found I found a horror title for a film the other day. It was called The Washing Machine. What? <laughs> There's a horror film called The Washing Machine. There's one out on Amazon Prime at the moment called Killer Sofa. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry, just while you come on to the Slinky scene, because that's a question I had for this film. What the hell was the Slinky stuff about? Because well, he's, like, he's well, not. Yeah, but at first I thought, oh, he's just he's got this annoying tick of a Slinky. But then he's in his cot in his or his, his top bunk with. Slinkies wrapped around his head. He seems to be in the in the throes of some sort of sexual no, act. No, add add. Sly has wrapped it around his head to shut him up. All right. I was lost. I must have looked at my phone <laughs> for a second because I was like, when that bit was on, I was like, what the hell is going yeah. on here? So what happened was right. The adjoining scene or the previous scene, the guy with the slinky throws the slinky at Sly's newspaper yeah. and rips the newspaper. So. The scene when you come back into the cell, it's revealed the sly has wrapped the slinky around him and tied him up on the bed. Right. I did not get that. I did not get that link at all. I was just watching that like, why is he just in this? Because he looked like he was masturbating or something. And I was like, no, no. what so, so that that leads on then to the other scene that follows where he's like Sly's obedient cellmate then. I see. Yeah, I, I, I got it. I must have looked at my phone and just distracted myself because I was like, "What's going on, by you?" <laughs> but that, my favorite scene is the prison escape with the belts. Yeah, I love it. I think this, I got loads of favorite scenes in this one, but like, it's got one of the best action film kills I've seen in a while. I loved the bit when they booted that British guy, British, wow. British in inverted commas, <laughs> is it? With the Dick yeah. Van Dyke accent. Byron James is name. Oh is. God, I like that actor. See, but that it, the he, accent is appalling. He's hot. a decent actor. This is yeah. not a good film for him. No, I, lo- I loved it though when Kurt Russell booted him down the stairs and chucked a grenade at him, and I just love that he just exploded. I thought that was a ama- and a nice callback to Fuba. I thought that was a wait. Really he put he put the he put the uh, hand grenade down his pants, didn't he? Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I thought that yeah. was a really good kill. I thought that was a really really good kill. The biggest explosion ever, though, from a hand grenade down the pants. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen in real life. But I've got a problem with that scene, though, that Adam likes. <laughs> There's probably loads wrong with it. I, we'll come on to it at the end. I don't, I don't know what could be wrong with that scene. I don't know. <laughs> pretty, it, seemed, it seemed all legit, uh, legit to me. My favourite scene, I don't know, there's so many favourites. I, I genuinely, right, as, as, as all over the place as this film was, I genuinely love this film like i'm talking like a 10 out of 10 film experience oh my god i thoroughly enjoyed this film i, I just it was it entertained me thoroughly from start to finish right but uh to pick this one is bit, why we need to have adam on the on the podcast more often like, <laughs> yeah. but like it was just like so fun to watch but like and that's all you want from a film right is it to just really entertain you and it did and uh favorite scenes are like you know the strip club scene's pretty great when he comes out dressed as a woman that oh. you, that was insane that's what we more or less told. I was saying to watch out for, you know, when I said, you know, that's the film we're going to do, because he is the least convincing woman ever. He's got he's got a bloody five o'clock shadow for Christ's sake. I know, I know. Well, he, in, in, in fairness to Kurt, like he's in shape in this film. He's got, I think, he's got bigger shoulders and Sly at that moment. <laughs> I, but the fact that the cop finds him attractive as a thinking it's a woman i was like that's when the oh, film was full tilt comedy i'm just like that cop is cringing though isn't he 
I, asked for a three-way and then he says dykes on bikes when they reject him. Uh, he had a Sully oh. moment. Sully <laughs> from Commando came out again, yeah. yeah. That point of the film, though, I'm just like, this. that's like naked gun. Almost <laughs> like naked gun levels of comedy. Like, that's just full-on dumb and dumber style comedy right there. And like, there's no way this is an action movie at the moment. But this is just like, this is full-on just funny. I, I did love the scene that that's just before that. So he first meets Catherine. She says, like, to meet him at the back or whatever. And she takes him into a room. Yes. And he's just about to start talking to her. And then he notices all the boobs. And yeah. he's just like, ah, bah. <laughs> he says, he says, yeah, but that's, that's realistic, though, isn't it? <laughs> he, says, he says, they're like, there's no one else in the world I'd rather be right now. But we've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Again, 80s boobs. And I love the way that all the women walk around. just giving him the eyes, like, hello, hello and stuff. And he's just, he's just, it's just that, it's just that uber cool cop sort of thing uh, and he he's is class sorry kurt is he's, yeah, he's so class yeah but he carries it with, like that's the thing kurt russell is awesome like but yeah i just love that like all of the every stripper in that in that in that changing room wants to ban kurt russell right well this kurt. is it right i uh, this is what i say about kurt russell he could get away with pretty much anything i think because you think about the plot of over overboard that should yeah. not work well but because Kurt Russell's so lovable, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, it's fine. I think, right, that scene where he dressed up as a woman is a, is a really brave, really brave choice for him as an actor back then because I, the, it shows how great he is to be able to, like, still be respected and have that not become, like, a meme or something today. I think if Arnold Schwarzenegger did that scene, that would have, like, screwed up his career in a big way. Well, look, someone who's, who's career screwed up because they dressed up as a woman, I, I'm being a bit, you know, funnier, Gary Busey, Under Siege. He's, the, he's one of the worst drag artists in the world as well. Yeah, he becomes a joke after that. Like, yeah, yeah, didn't see him anything after that, did we? Except for Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> was it Lethal Weapon 1? Lethal Weapon 1, no, it yeah. was before. Lethal Weapon was before Under Siege. Yeah. <laughs> was it? No, no, I'm joking, but um, my favourite scene, and I got two, I'll mention quickly. I quite like the opening scene, not because it's an amazingly acted scene, not because it's a, um, yeah, it's shot well, but you know, physically when he's chasing the the truck, yeah, and then he shoots it with his single gun, and he changes his bullets anyway. First of all, doesn't he? For yeah. I'm assuming it's more powerful bullet if uh, that's possible, but it, for me, it just sets the scene. But I have one question from it: eighties cops. Always seem to be able to detect, uh, detect um, cocaine by taste. Is that a real thing? Right, I presume it is, isn't it? Well, I cocaine just tastes like paracetamol. That's what it's just like a drug, isn't it? It's just like, that's that's what you've been. That's what you've heard, isn't it, Ad? Yes, that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I think that's just like a dramatic effect sort of thing because. I don't think it's a taste. I think it's, it's just a drug, isn't it? Everyone tells me that Adam's just bought mashed up paracetamol and thought oh, no, it was no. something else. Or, or sold it. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It tastes like, it, it tastes like sherbet. Like, but but uh, what I'm saying is, I, I just got a thing about, yeah, 80s and probably 90s cop films and, and TV series is where they dip their little finger in and they're like, yeah, that's cocaine. I don't think they probably most of them are probably on the stuff anyway, so they know, don't they? Can I just um, quickly as well just go over the opening scene as well? Something I'd say if I was like teaching in like a film school and like a university, 
and I was doing like today's lesson kids we're going to learn about how to set up your film and just perfectly set the tone for the entire film I would show the opening scene in Tango and Cash because oh. that's that scene is just like you are going to get a ridiculous action comedy film which just does not care and it is going to blow your socks off about it like there are so many things wrong with the opening scene but I like the cop that's fuming at him he's all like I'm going to have your badge with this and your ass. Yeah, and your ass. And he's like, I bet Salai puts a handgun past his face, which is like the most dangerous thing ever, shoots the shoots the um the oil tanker, and then cocaine just starts coming out of it. And Forget like, all that. Forget all that. Are you honestly telling me if you're driving that truck, you are not smashing through Sly and his car? Well, what's it? There's no, there's no way face who's behind the wheel is saying. This guy's crazy because he shot two bullets at him and he's slamming the brakes just before he gets the slide. There's no way that's happening. You just duck down and drive, don't you? Yeah. I don't know, mate. You try and be faced with Sly Stallone in those round glasses, you might think otherwise. Uh, why are we talking about face? My favourite scene is um, when he meets Sly in, in the jail for the first time. Oh, okay. he just... And he smashes his head against the bars. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I, I I just like it as a bit of dialogue and um and, and again it sort of ends with a bit of humour, doesn't it? I did I did laugh out loud with the cuts to the first shot of them walking through the prison corridor and we're just like, is that gonna put us in the general population with caps? And then they're just walking through like this like literal hell this hell corridor. It's like there's no prison on earth that's like that bad. <laughs> you know, it's like I thought that was great, that stuff. And like all of the everyone they put away is in there. I thought that was really cool. Um, one more thing in the opening scene. I love the Rambo nod. Rambo's a pussy. I was like, fair play. Fair play. Get it in there. Who are you, Rambo? He, he, he does do it on a few of his films, doesn't he? I know, he, but... He harks back. It's just like, sometimes action films do it, do they? And you can, you can straight away just get from a line like that. This is just one of them sort of films now. Um, oh, I, I've just got one honourable mention before we move on. Do, do you know the... The potential electro water torture death yep. scene, whatever you want to call it. I, I did think actually that's straight out of a Bond film in the sense of well, they could have just killed them. They didn't need to do all of that. You know, it's a typical like Hollywood thing to do, isn't it? Where you prolong the death. And just like there's, and there's so many times in this film where Sly and Kurt should have just been shot and killed. I, I, I lost count of it. Like the entire film is, they could have just. Get, this film could have been five minutes long. Yeah, yeah. If if if, if they chose to stop ignoring logic, this film would have been like three or four minutes long. Yeah. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been that. Oh, we'll we'll get onto the plot holes soon. I'm sure. All right. Well, we may as well go on to plot um, plot holes now. Plot holes, I should say. Um. So I'm going to start with mine. Byron James has got the least convincing British villain in film history. Yeah. Accent, anyway, let's put it that way. We've already mentioned him. I'm not going to touch on it anymore. Um, the script, in general, is surprisingly awkward. And I think we've touched on it already. I think rewrites and potential di different direction for the film has probably meant it. But th there's a number of points within the film the dialogue is just really awkward. 
I was going to bring up the dialogue because I, if to me it feels like someone has come in at the last minute to punch up, they call it a punch up, to sort of enhance or better the dialogue to make it, as it were, more punchy. And it's almost too much because they're always trying to get the zinger in. So it's always a zinger. There's never any sort of scene where I think that they're being genuine or it's like, is this, whenever one of them opens their mouth, I'm like, sometimes I was like, oh, is this, this is going to be another zinger now. The gags and the one-liners are prolific in this. Yeah. The problem is they just, they just don't land very well. Yeah. Some, there's too many of them. Sometimes, like, and I, again, I, you know me, Prog, I, I love laughing at things that are cheesy, but like, there's one of them that's so, that so, like, laboured. It's hilarious. And that's the bit when he comes in and the guy drops his spaghetti. And then Sly just starts talking about the fact he doesn't care about his diet. And then after like 10 minutes of dialogue, just goes, you need some iron in your diet. And just, just yeah. in his face. And I was like, what's the... Like, how laboured is that? Like, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was... I, I get what you guys mean, yeah. But I thought that added to the film's charm. <laughs> well, there's definitely a charm to it. It's just this time round watching it, I, I was thinking... Maybe just dial it down a little bit because that's exactly it. it but I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You just just tone it back a little bit. That's all. You know, I I think we're all of the same opinion here that we love a one liner, especially when it comes to an eighties action movie. We expect it, but I think in this film, it's just overdone. The um the one of the bits where I was like, oh, like proper eye roll, Mr. Courtroom scene. When every time someone was up on the stand, they were just turning to each other and loudly, not even under their breath, just saying like, "I'm going to rip his tonsils out." I'm going to. Oh yeah, yeah. And gonna... yeah, they're like, "Oh, um, we better pay so and so a visit after all of this." And, and it's yeah. like, guys, come on, like, no. But uh, yeah. Come on, then, Ad, you got any plot holes? Yeah. The fact they could have been killed. Well, the first, the first time, the setup, like, I was like, why just put a bomb there? Why not just put a bomb there? You could have put it. They they go through like it is so like that the the main bad guy. I forgot his name now. You know, Jack Clance. Jack, right, Jack right. Clance in the in... Eve, Eve's Perret, I think his name yes. is. Yeah, but he's Jack Clance in um, Batman. So that's why I keep calling him. He's from Batman. Yeah. So he's Eve's Perret in this, yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Perret, uh, when he sat with the Brit, our Brits and the other henchmen, were just like, let's kill him, let's kill them, boss. And he's like, no. We're going to do something far better than that. Something more elaborate. You don't rush things and you don't rush things to become successful. And it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying, mate, right? But go getting them arrested, doing everything you do to get them into prison to like slowly electrocute, which doesn't work anyway. Could have just blown them up. Could have put a bomb there. There was so much effort into that. Well, you think about the judicial system. It'd probably take them six months to get a court date. It does take six months. It's like this months, almost a year goes by during all that. Yeah, and, like, and the entire time I'm thinking, why do you just do the drug deals and stuff during the court date? If you're gonna, why do they wait until after? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, why are you waiting until? Why are you waiting until they're in prison to do this? Like, just do it now. Like they're off this. They, they can't do anything. <laughs> it's like what? It's insane. And one of the other bad guys in it is James Hong, who's um David Lopan in oh, Big Trouble yeah. in Little China. And yeah. there's just so many times in the film that him and the other supposedly bad guy just say, like, you know, let, let us sort this. And it's just like, oh, come on. 
just like it's it's, it's over the top now. Yeah. Oh, there's there's, there's loads of there's loads of gaping plot holes in this one though. Also, another plot over talking the problem with this before we did this podcast as well. I didn't realize Terry Hatcher was Sly Sloan's sister until like two thirds of the way into the film. <laughs> I thought that was his missus for ages. Because and I, I don't think she mentions that they because she says she says yes, brother. And I was like, what the? I was like, they're brother and sister. I was like, <laughs> I didn't realize that at all because I was a bit like, hang on, by you. I was like, Cash is a bit naughty, like having a having a massage of like of his, you know, Tango's missus. And then like I mean, it's his sister. I was like, what? I was like, did I miss it? Did, did I miss a mention of that before? Or? Well, no, there's only one scene between uh, Tango and Catherine, and that's right at the start of the film. I don't, I think you're right. I don't think they mention about being brother and sister, but I think the way that the scene's written, I did get the impression that they were relations rather than together. The reason I thought that they were like, together is because like she's like i'm going away to do some yeah. dancing for a while and like not like she doesn't make it as erotic dancing she's gonna go to i need to get away for a few weeks you're too much for me and he's like let me call you and stuff and it's like it just seemed like a scene between a couple going through a bit of a rough patch and I'm that's like, why i that's why i thought it, they weren't a couple when i watched it because i think if they were a couple sly would have been a bit more emotional about it but like emotional yeah. have you seen a sly film <laughs> you know what I mean. The, 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 the scene would have been yeah, written no, that the yeah. character is more. All right, maybe not slide, but the character. Um, I got a question posed to Prog. In my head, I thought there was a scene where Terry Hatcher was topless, and so then I was thinking, have I seen a version that, um, I, which was different to the version I watched last night? But I don't oh, think um, there is, is there? I, I want to see that. Terry Hatcher has been topless in a film, but I don't think she's in this one. Well, I, I, yeah, but when I was thinking about it, I, I, I thought actually, I don't think she has been, she's done any scenes like that. And then she went and did Playboy. And if you remember, there was a big thing about her doing Playboy. Oh, because I thought she was in a film with Kevin Klein and I can't remember who else it is, okay. where they are. On a day type, they they star in like this uh, American soap opera. It, it could well be, yeah. You you may, but um, I just wanted to double check that I wasn't. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't just, dreamt that up. I just took one for the team, guys, and I took to Google Images. Yeah, and apparently there is a t- she is in the top. Well, there are pictures to prove it. I'm not looking at them though. Um, the cool surface. Apparently, the film is she's a. Uh, she goes out in that one, apparently. Who's, who's in that film? Is, Kevin, is that the film with Kevin Klein or my, um, my films are? The Cool Surface uh, is, a, is an erotic thriller from 94. And it is uh, Robert Patrick, Terry Hatcher. Oh, right. Oh, that's when she was doing Superman. Yeah. That, that's when she was doing Lois yeah. and Clark. Also, by the way, I didn't Superman realise this, this was Terry Hatcher until the, until the nightclub stuff. Yeah. I, I was a bit like, she looked really familiar. And then it was only during the dance. I was like, "That's, I was like, that's Lois Lane." I was like, "It's Terry Hatcher." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. She is obviously quite young in it. It's probably one of her earlier films, isn't it? Yeah, no, it definitely oh. is. Yeah. Well, she, she went out and do Desperate Housewives, didn't she? After that. Yeah. What would you say is her uh, 
would you say Clark and Lois is her biggest thing, or do you say Desperate Housewives? For me, it's Clark and Lois, the Superman show she was in. Because you've got to remember now, her impact on that Superman show led to them rebranding it Clark yeah. and Lois. Yeah. Not super, they changed the title of the show. I used to watch that every Saturday morning, that yeah. show. That yeah. Was, yeah. I used to love that series. I, I loved it as well. I never watched Desperate Housewives, so I can't really comment on it. But yeah, she, that made her a star, I think. In Desperate your eyes, is it? Desperate Housewives is like, it's okay, but it's like, it's pure trash TV. It's like, yeah. it's just like you watch your, your brain switched off kind of show. But well, so is Clark and Lois, let's be real. But there's Superman and Anna, and it's not as girly. <laughs> Prague, uh, what about you? What, what sort of any other plot holes? Any other. Everything that you boys have mentioned so far. Um, I know Adam loves it, but I hate the car chase in the in the car park. What, you about, know what, what, about, the, what about the chase at the end oh. in the in the quarry? Oh, it's just explosions and it's dark. I'm not yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. The biggest thing for me, right, is when they get into the building at the end and Somehow, I don't know how this happened, right? But Red Queen, who's Ryan James, the Cockney, he's somehow escaped from being on top of that building, right? How's he got out of that? They've also got hold of Tango's sister from nowhere. She just appears. They've caught. They've got her hostage. But then to cap it all off. They don't just shoot Tango and Cash there and then. They go, we're going to have one-on-one fights with you. This is my associate who's not been in the film at all. You've never met him. Nobody knows who he is, but he really wants to kick your ass. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like That bit was like, that bit when they have him at gunpoint, I was just like, this film is done. They, they, that is ridiculous. They have them now. Like, just shoot. I was just screaming. Kill them. You could just kill them right now. The thing is, what? you could have you killed them as well and got away with it because of all the carnage they caused outside and they were trespassing. Yeah. And they convicted criminals. The fugitives, yeah. Like, I'm just like, kill them. Just kill them. Like, this... What? <laughs> it was just like, with that bit was ridiculous. But, I, but again, I, I thought that was awesome last scene. So. The other thing that got me as well, right... Halfway through the film, when they're in, when they first go to prison, they are like adamant. We need to find, you know, we we are we going to find out who did this to us or whatever. So what happens? Jack Palance, parrot. I know he doesn't let them see his face, but he basically, sh- you know, tells them I'm the guy who did it, and he has his henchman in the prison as well. Why would you even bother with that? Yeah. You're giving I, them the lead. You're giving them quote unquote a lead to follow if they were ever to get out of it. Plus, how does he get in and out of the prison? Oh, but I know, I know. The other thing I put I found as well, do you know the stunt men? Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not criticizing the stunt work, but they look nothing like Sly Stallone and Kurt Russell. <laughs> when you see some of the stunt the scenes, right? I'm looking at one and I'm like. Jesus Christ, is that meant to be Sly or Kurt? I can't even tell. I saw a still of Kurt Russell and his stunt double from the film, and yeah, they, they, look, oh, well, they don't look very alike, let's put it that way. Not to brag, but I, I downloaded like a... Um, I, I, 
I may have, I may have got a a legal copy of this today to watch it on a 4K tally, and um, yeah, I could spot um, some differences. They're, they're between... bad, like they're bad. Yeah, it was like, whoa. Um, before we um, finish changes, I've got one like major plot hole. Um, oh, maybe it's not a plot hole, but <laughs> then, why, why do, they're, they're on the run? They've just escaped from prison. They don't change their appearance at all. No. And they go back to places where people would be looking for them. Sly goes to his house he owns, which he rents to his sister. <laughs> yeah. Tango goes to, um, oh no, sorry, Cash goes to a strip joint where Catherine works. It's just like, come on. Yeah, and there's no indication either that the police are aware of Catherine's presence. Also, that cop that, that cop does say, I'll get the I'll get the feds off your back for another 24 hours. I was like, what strings are you pulling through that, mate? Yeah. These are two of the biggest, like, let's just go back, the newspaper stuff. These, this is a huge story in America right now. These two, these two like maverick cops killing someone is the biggest story. It's like the OJ trials almost, man. <laughs> and like, is that the, the weight is that big in the media? And he said, my man, is just what's he doing? Making a phone call, like, yeah, FBI, just like. Don't go chasing them for today. They're low. So they're <laughs> yeah. lying low somewhere. And they don't even change their appearance. No. Kurt well, is there with his flowing locks. I uh, mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see Kurt with the flowing locks. But if you're going on the run, you've got to shave your head or grow a beard. Sly does kind of wear some overalls and stuff. I guess. Yeah. He but he's still them. wearing the glasses. I know. <laughs> I know. And as I said before, I love slaying some glasses, but you've got to change your appearance. I, I, what is with Sly in this film, though? Why is he being so, like... Why did they decide to cast him as this sort of, like, Fraser Crane style guy? I love this. I love this about his character, though, that he's, like, this stockbroker, but he loves the action of being a police officer. I, you know. I, that's one of the elements I love. So I'm not going to... I'm not changing that. Sugar's up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what a line, isn't it? Oh, oh, sorry. I got to mention this as well. The one of the biggest laughs I had from the film was when is a scene. I've got I've got the all the dialogue there, but it's a scene where like him and Cash are having like an argument, and and then he mimics Cash's laugh. He just he oh. just goes, he just goes to Cash in his face. <laughs> you for that bit? That got a big laugh from me. I'll. <laughs> All you did then was do a sly laugh. Right. Before we ask the final question of recommend, I'll throw some facts in. You know I love a fact or two. So there was a scene in the film which relates to this point. So Stallone had just gone through his divorce with Bridget Nielsen. Okay. And I I, I believe it was potentially not the, the best divorce in the world, but don't quote me on that. So there's a line in the film where he says, I hate Danish. Oh, I was. I wondered what he meant by that line. I was like, "That's a strange line." So that's what it relates to. Um, before Kurt Russell, the role of Cash was offered to Patrick Swayze. Oof! They obviously needed something, you know, hair related. Yeah. Um, but he turned it down for Roadhouse. Oh, I think it's a win-win, there, isn't it? Because we get Kurt Russell in this, and we get. Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. It's a win-win there. Roadhouse. Uh, sorry, this this 
This film wouldn't be anything about Kurt Russell. No, Kurt no, Russell. I, I don't think so either. I don't think so. Um, so I mentioned earlier the quarry um, chase scene. So at one point in there, you have like a, a big wheeled character, um, vehicle going after the uh, whatever the armored vehicle is, and that was Bigfoot. You know, Bigfoot, the 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 I don't know what, what, what monster truck isn't there, or whatever. Yeah, think about that. That gun car, man. That was just so goofy. The gun car thing when it was just like use your, which had like what it had like satellite interference, these Gatling guns on the side. I was like, what? You didn't see enough of it, I think, in a, in, in a positive light for me. It was, anyway. wedged. it was wedged in, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the budget was 54 million. It returned 120 million, which isn't a bad return. But ultimately, though, it went 20 million over budget. So it was supposed to be a 30 million. And that's down to what they put the, um, to the, the rewrites. Jesus. And the changes. So, you know, what would have been 30, 35 million ended up being 54, so. I tell you now, right, they're not paying people that much to rewrite this these days. The 80s and the 90s were the time when you should have been a writer. I, Darren, I, I'd love to see a list of all of the writers, the uncredited writers on this film. Sweet. Um, one of the main writers on it was, I got his name here somewhere. Um, ba, 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 ba. Randy Feldman? Randy Feldman, yeah, Feldman. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the final question. Like I said, we always ask, would you recommend? Adam, let's go to you. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, if you were, just to prove it, uh, what I will say, if if you were after, like, if, if someone was saying, I want a really good, I want to just be entertained, I, I what an hour and uh, 44 minutes of just complete entertainment, comedy, good action scenes, switch your brain off, stuff, I, yeah, 100%. 100%. Right. I'd go along with Adam's statement. There's there's so much wrong with this film, but despite that, I still enjoyed it. You know, I I, I still found things in it that I liked. I, I would I watch it again out of choice? No. What? But hang on, no, let me finish. But if it was on and I was flicking the channels, I'd probably I'd probably watch it from there. Yeah, no, I, I, I was just about to ask you that question. If it was on TV and you were flicking channels, um, and, and there's so many 80s films that that's the case for me. So I probably wouldn't recommend it unless I, um, it was a week ago and I was speaking to Adam or someone very similar <laughs> to Adam who well, I know would like an 80s action film. It's, it's the... It's one of those films, there's certain types of people I recommend it to. Like, if I was speaking to a friend of mine, like, that's a, that's only into, like, you know, high-end, boring, artsy films. I'm not going to say watch Tango and Cash. But if if it's someone like Prague or yourself, and we're talking about, like, really good 80s action films of this sort of candor, re- and you hadn't seen Tango and Cash, I'd say, go and watch Tango and Cash, because you'll enjoy it. Can I give the listeners a bit of background about Adam here a second? Mm-hmm. Um... I think it's important to note that he will watch uh, a Hallmark movie that didn't even make it to Hallmark, but that is only on Prime Video. He will watch that and he will get some enjoyment out of it. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny <laughs> usually, because it's funny or something, like, you know. But uh, yeah. I think in in a in a little way, Ad, you are quite sadistic when it comes to bad films, and that's not to say Tango and Cash is a bad film. 
But when you say you really enjoyed a film, I do take it with a pinch of salt. No, but like Tango and Cash is like one of those types of bad films. It's, it's, it's mainly good, but you can see the badness in there, but like the goodness kind of overrides that. Oh, okay. It, I'll put it like this in. Is it like one of those desserts that you shouldn't have, but sometimes you can't help yourself? Yes, it is. It is like an ice cream with like four Mars bars shoved into it. That's yeah. I get you. I get it. <laughs> but like, I, I, I know. Seriously, I from start to finish, I enjoyed this film. I, I bet you any. I guarantee this film has a strong cult following to this day. I think it does, doesn't it? I, I, I think so. I'm willing to bet some people listening to this uh, have probably watched watched Tango and Cash once a year, and they are just like, this is like, this is a film I enjoy watch. I, I, I go back to and enjoy fondly. As a nice look back, and they get a lot. And of it. look, and uh, for me, I'm similar. I, I know, although I said I wouldn't recommend it, I would happily watch this. Um, like Prog said, if it came on TV, or if a, a year had gone by, and I just wanted some pure enjoyment, action, eighties comedy, I, it would be a film I'd go to. I, you know, happily. I don't think you've said this, Anne, but did you know that this was the last film released in the 80s? The last lot. The was last it like film. Christmas 89, was it? Yeah, it was December 22nd, 1989. It was released the same day as the Steven Spielberg film Always. So them two were the last films of the 80s released. Wow. Well, the, the 80s, I think, signed off well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just one last thing as well, just about recommending it to people. I think a big, a big reason why. Yeah, this I tell you what, Ad, you are selling this film. Yeah. But a big reason why this film works so much and works so well, and this one is because of Kurt and Sly together. I think they have a, they, they, they're brilliant. They have a brilliant chemistry on screen together. Um, I was quite surprised actually that Kurt Russell wouldn't do a sequel when you said that earlier, Andrew, because I was, I had the impression that they enjoyed working together quite a lot on this because they seem to have a really good back and forth throughout the entire film. And, and I, I just got a really nice vibe from watching both. I, I, I think, think Kurt Russell often gets overlooked as an 80s star, personally. Yeah. I think he's done some brilliant films. He's in one of my favourite films of all time, which is Big Trouble in Little China. Um, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I think he brings um, Jack Burton to this film. Uh, and maybe that's just his style anyway. But I think it he... he He's up there for me in this film. Well, he, as the main point. Kurt Russell is in two of my favourite films. Big Trouble in Little China. That would be in my top 20. And The Thing would be guaranteed in my top five films. And okay. I'd say him as McCready is my second ever favourite performance by an actor. We need to do The Thing soon. It's Because um, that's a different um, Kurt Russell. Mm. But I, I do think that most, I think most film fans have a Kurt Russell film in their top 10. Like I have the thing in my top 10. But even my, my girlfriend, Liz, Overboard's in it. It's like one of her favorite films of all time. Everyone I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, right? People love Overboard. It's a good film. Yeah. But I think they love it because Kurt and Goldie, they are the couple, aren't they? I mean, they, and also, they've lasted so long that you believe in them. So you believe in that film as well. I think them being in that film has made that film, uh, has made it have last as well as it has. Because it, if you think about the plot of Overboard, 
It's fucking dodgy. Oh yeah, 100%. He, he kidnaps yeah. her, doesn't he? Yeah. More or less, yeah. Because she, she she hits her head and he kidnaps her. Yeah. I'm just looking at his filmography. There's so many, there's so many Kurt Russell films you could do on Ryan the movies. Stargate. I that, like Star- yeah, Stargate. Yeah, a Good film. That's a great film. It's like <laughs> executive decision. Um, Tombstone. I've never seen Tombstone. I guess Tombstone. What I- Tombstone. Oh, brilliant. 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 I've never brilliant seen film. it. I've never watched. It. It's one of those ones I've always meant to watch. Backdraft. Super cheesy, but I bet that'd be funny to watch and pick apart. Um, Tequila Sunrise. He's done so many good, and obviously the thing which. Oh, just Tequila Sunrise is brilliant. Yeah, that's if a you, brilliant. And you forget an Escape from New York. Escape from New York. Escape from LA. Oh yeah, but like Man, Escape he, from LA, we do for a different reason, really, wouldn't we? But <laughs> Tequila, Tequila Sunrise is great because it's Kurt Russell and Mel Gibson. Oh well, you got best of both worlds there, haven't you? One of my favourite actors of all time, Mel Gibson, with my one of my other favourite actors, Kurt Russell. How can you fault that? What a movie. Anyway, all right, let's wrap up there. Uh, Adam, thank you very much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you. We, no doubt you'll we'll get you on for a couple of others in the future as well. Podcasts right. come out every Wednesday. Don't forget to check out our social media and YouTube channels. And if you want us to do a film in the future, just let us know. Cheers, all. <laughs>